It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Um, it's funny. I saw some um, pictures of tornadoes because there's a big storm going through the Midwest heading heading east. Actually, we got hit with some of the rain today. And today is the anniversary, Russ, I guess. I mean, somebody told me this. I have to double check it. But every time I think of tornado, I don't think of the movie Twister. Okay. I think, I think of the here, here we go with the replay. All right, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. <laughs> wow. This this that I believe it's this day uh 32 years ago where when I was working at a movie theater in suburban Buffalo the Holiday Showcase which is a basically just a, a little restaurant in the area had the roof taken off by a tornado. Tornadoes in Western New York are not common. And I was working that day. So I distinctly remember this train sound going through and the roof being ripped off at this place. So, wow. yeah, yeah, it was, it was a traumatic experience in my misbegotten youth. Okay. You, you had something to start off the show. I do. Uh, so everybody remembers Jim and Pam at, from the office, Jenna Fisher. Yes. And and Krasinski, John Krasinski. Well, also known as Mr. Emily Blunt, which I would take a lot of credit for. That's fine. They both are rooting for different teams. Jenna Fisher is rooting for the Blues and Krasinski's rooting for the Bruins. And it's, there's this whole thing on Twitter because they were married on the office. Like, how are they going to, you know, rectify this? And I think it's cute. I think it's funny. Jenna Fisher already responded to it. Like, that's, that's great that they could have that kind of sense of humor. And honestly, that's good for hockey because yeah. I can't remember the last time we had a cup where maybe one of the teams wasn't a mainstream team like St. Louis. See, Mike, I did it to myself. Um, <laughs> I had to switch browser. Where one of the teams wasn't a mainstay, you know, a mainstream team, and now they get a little celeb coverage. There's that, and we talked about uh, the guy from Mad Men, and so that's that's cool. Yeah, and it sort of attached to that because I just saw this on, on Reddit when I was looking, looking up for some things to talk about on the show. Apparently, you know, David Backus, Avi, long longtime blue, went to the Bruins via free agency. He's still friends with a lot of players on the uh, on the blues, but apparently there's going to be like a two more two two week moratorium of their of the friendship with guys like Alex Pietrangelo yeah. because they're playing each other in the Stanley Cup final so they've like stopped communication with each other they used to they would text each other all the time and now they're they're going to cease and to me that's like you know come on i mean really you're going to i mean i'm not I know. it's like you know what david back is if you want to win a cup you'll punch your friends in the mouth like mike if it came yeah. down to it, I would punch you in the mouth. <laughs> well, that might be the only thing that David Backus can contribute to the Boston. <laughs> but, uh, but Peter, what are your thoughts on this? Would you like cease communications with, with a friend if, if it was like you and him? And I arrived you know, it, it all depends on the friend. And I think the one thing that I would take into account with this is um, whether, uh, whether, whether my friend was was good natured, because I think you could have a lot of fun 
sort of with some some memes and stuff like that just yeah. going back and forth with them and having a laugh and if and if you cared about your friend and you were competitive enough you could probably have a really fun banter and enjoy things and give them a big hug at the end and and be pissed off that you didn't win but knowing that you're happy for your buddy now i just bring this up and because it's i'm not a big i'm not the biggest nba fan but i wanted to bring this up because a lot of people are talking about it and that's the uh sort of the interaction with drake at the raptors uh boxing yeah. game um uh, game four on tuesday night you know drake you know for for those older Caucasian people is a rapper, is a is a hip hop guy. He's very popular. He's from the Toronto area. Um, he's sort of known in Toronto as being a curse because the Charlotte Checkers, when they beat, uh, I think it was Hershey to play the Marlies in the in the Calder Cup Eastern Conference Final, offered Drake tickets to come down to Charlotte to play because they know every time he roots for a team, they lose. Um, yeah. so now, but you know, he's making his presence known at the Raptors games. He was massaging the neck of Nick nurse, the Raptors head coach. And apparently he's mouthing off on the sidelines, uh, towards Giannis, uh, Antetokounmpo, the, the big, uh, Milwaukee, uh, the um, Greek freak, the Greek freak. Um, and now then the thing is, this would be okay if he was like just a fan, like Spike Lee was when it was the Knicks and the, and the Pacers. He's an official Raptors ambassador, meaning he's an employee in a sense. I, I the NBA, you know, like Peter. The only thing I can think of of fans or people like that really getting on the case of other teams were the Green Men in Vancouver, and that stopped after a while. I don't know if they put a stop to it, but this is something you know you can't really have fans doing that, right? Well, I, I disagree. Or employees. I totally disagree. I, well, now here's the thing. Drake is employed in a, as an ambassador, as an entertainer. Right. We've seen for years um, mascots doing funny things with people. Is there any difference if Drake's your mascot and acting like that? The thing that I think is yes, where there, things get a little, where there gets a little different though, is is you're you're there as a fan. They're using you as like a brand ambassador, and so you get maybe a little access to some things. And it gives you the ability to get one-on-one -on -one, um, with a person. Is it any different than Spike Lee? It is because Spike Lee is just a fan, and he's never just a fan. Then it's fine. Or Nichol so Nicholson sat at the on the on the core, basically in the, like on the front except row. Except everyone just stared at Jack, waiting for do, to do cool stuff. No one cared. Right, but he never fixed Pat Riley's hair. Like it's like, no. <laughs> you know, I think it's sort of the heat of the moment and stuff. I think there, there's there's a gray area here that needs to get sorted out for sure. You're either a fan and you're whooping and hollering with the rest of everyone, high five and spilling your spilling your overpriced beer, or you're an ambassador and you have to carry yourself as everyone else in the organization does. I don't think you can have it both ways. In yeah, and I, I'm Adam Silver. I suspend him. I say, listen, he can't show up to games anymore. Right, or, or at least at least for the rest of the playoffs. Okay. Right. I, I just like to know who, like, I mean, if, if Milwaukee has to sort of do something different to get in Kawhi's face, who are they bringing as a right. celebrity? Paul Ryan? <laughs> no. no. I mean, they could bring Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, they could. No, they'll bring his they coach, could. San Antonio. Oh, there you go, yeah. Yeah, he can he can raz him. I'm sure he wants he, – he'd... I'm against this because – it's bad. It's a bad look for the sport, and and the NBA already has this. They're too close already to celebrities 
and celebrities influencing players. And, and, you know, it's good in a way that hockey players are boring and a lot of celebrities don't want any part of them because they're not exciting off the ice because a lot of these shenanigans don't go on. Major League Baseball, a little bit, but not that much. Basketball, all the time. There's way too much of this. Like, it's just... To me, but it's a fine line. It's a different audience. It's a different crowd. Yeah. There's a different yeah. thing. And like, who's making the noise about this? The Bucks, or is it like well, the Bucks? The Bucks head coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I think there's a there's a there's a there's a he should. He, I think he should. He he should definitely make a noise about it, and and use whatever advantage you can gain from it this this is the conference finals tied at two well gamesmanship is out in the open drake and the raptors have played theirs and and, and i think got, they got to come to come back and use their gamesmanship and i think and, it could be hilarious and i think the the bucks actually have done that by, by by raising this up a lot because who's talking about the two losses we're all talking about drake well yeah. i want to say this matt in the chat room said well, Drake wearing a Sixers jersey lost it for the Sixers. And I said, no, Joel Embiid not being able to play a little bit more than his protected minutes and not being in shape lost that game for the Sixers, not not Drake. Right. Too many steak subs, Joel. Uh, okay. No, actually, it's Chick-fil-A and milkshakes. Chick-fil-A. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, that's great. Milkshakes. See that? He's addicted to milkshakes. Yeah. Okay. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, May 23rd, 2019. I'm Peter Tessier in mild Winnipeg. <laughs> I'm Press Cohen from Sportsology. It was raining, now it's nice out. And I'm Michael Agello in balmy Buffalo, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. <laughs> we had to get a balmy in there somewhere. Yeah. Okay, let's start Let's start with the, the news that broke about a half an hour ago, because we could go on and on with this one, and interpreting what it means for the New York Islanders. Um there were there was talk a couple weeks ago that there was a lot of progress made on Brock Nelson that he would be signed, um, and you know there was a lot of question about Anders Lee. Well, Nelson's contract came down today, a six-year contract at six million per. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not, no, I'm not really slagging you know Nelson because I think he's. No, a no, no, I think that's a good sign for Nelson. It's just now you've set the. The bar is so much higher for Lee because Lee would never accept six million anyhow. Right now he's accepting like seven and a half, eight because of that. Well, right, and then that's why, like, I of course that's our, why that's why in, I laugh in our in our in our little um, group text that we send before the show. I said bye bye Anders because I don't know whether you know uh, Nelson scored in the 50 point range he's had years in the 40s before then and now granted his role was less in those years because because Tavares was around but now he's taking a, a bigger role and he scored over 50 points this year I believe he was coming off a bridge deal so I think he this contract buys four years of unrestricted free agency if that's the case and I'll, I'll double check that but if that's the case getting six million, I mean, it's a good deal, but with Lee and he's in a similar position, you're talking eight, eight and a half. Oh, yeah. yeah probably talking. You, you are. What I want to know is how Brock Nelson takes just above Andrew Ladd. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, go ahead, Peter. Right? Like, I mean, this is the funny thing about contracts is you say, well, okay, he's, Goodbye, Anders Lee, and blah blah blah. But 
you look on the other side and it's like, how does this add up? Right. Like it's, it, they're, they're funny things sometimes in, and how you compare and, and, and sort of look at them and when they're signed and what happens. I mean, it's odd to say the least. Yeah. Okay. Brock Nelson, he's played six NH six seasons. So I think he was a year away from UFA. Um, 14, 20, 26, 20, 19, and 25. Those are the goal totals over the six years. So he's say he's a 20 to 20 to 25 goal scorer. Yeah. yeah that's right. Um, 40 to 50 points uh scored four goals in the playoffs this year so you're you're talking and so now it's six years at six million anders lee scored 40 goals uh two seasons ago scored 28 this year um let's see here 25 15 34 40 and 28 in the last five seasons he's two years away from being a ufa i believe maybe one um no no he's a ufa now now. what am i talking about sorry about that um but the thing and he's the captain but you're talking at an entirely different level this is like the stratosphere here. You know, when he's a 40 goal scorer, he's probably 30 to 35 on a normal year. I mean, that is eight. And I don't know whether they're going to be willing, especially with the fact that they have, they, they can sign Barzil after this year or after July 1st with a year left in his ELC, they're going to have to pay him big money. It's a question of whether ownership there, Russ is willing to pay for players. Well, here, here's the interesting part. The New York market has been writing about, you know, Lee's potential re-signing for a long time, for months. Mm-hmm. And and I think it might even go back to like February. Nothing's happened yet. And so they signed Nelson first. We all talked about that probably happening. And we talked about it happening simply because it was going to be the easier contract to sign. Mm-hmm. The problem with that one now is now that – Nelson probably got a little extra out of you that you didn't expect. Now that he got six million a year, for people thinking that Anders Lee is going to come in at seven, I think they're misguided, because just because he dipped a little in goals, that was also because of the system the team played. A lot of things played into that. Lee has a lot of market value, and the Islanders have to be careful here because if they give him a low ball offer, he may decide to to look elsewhere and. So right now, I just think negotiations have proven a lot tougher for Lee than Lou probably thought they would because that's why I think they went and signed Nelson because we talked about this. There's no way they could let everybody go. Mm-hmm. So Lou was going to sign the easy ones first. Like that was a guarantee to happen because otherwise Islander fans would freak out. So Nelson getting signed now makes everybody feel good and they say, oh. And, of course, people are like, well, we expected Lee first, but we can't wait for him to be signed. But like that's the first little rung that that to me is a little bit of a problem that that Nelson went first simply because Lee is the one who's the most important. Yeah, they knew that it's like last year. They got Josh Bailey signed five times five. Correct. Before I think it was before the deadline, and I know it was before the end of the season. Um because they could get that one done, they knew for sure, but they didn't know what about Tavares, and eventually Tavares signed someplace else. So it, it, I mean, it was different management. It was Garth Snow. It wasn't Lamorello. But when you can get somebody signed, you get them signed. And that's the whole point. Yeah. The, problem, the problem is you don't know whether you can get Lee signed. And in this market where the number one center is Matt Duchesne, and you don't know what his status is going to be, he could return to Columbus. He could go back to Ottawa. He could do a number of different things. 
The number two is probably Lee if he tests the market. And the number three is Kevin Hayes. The center market in this free agent class is not great. No, but it's it's good enough that those guys will get swooped up quick. And right, then they'll, right. they'll, make, they'll make more money than they're worth. Maybe. Yeah, and then it'll be lousy after that. Uh, Mike Russo reported that the Wild had interest in Nelson, but now he's off the market. But then he also wrote it'll be interesting to see what happens with Lee because Lee is from Minnesota. Yes. Uh, negotiations continue, but they're not close as of now. Min like, again, now this is somebody who follows the Wild, mm -hmm. who knows about Minnesota, and this is the worry now if you're an Islanders fan because they haven't locked this guy up. I know there was a quote in The Athletic from a team executive said that said, well, we wouldn't have made Brock Nelson the captain if we thought he was going to leave. Yeah, we can go into history for that, but I'm going to leave it alone. Captains leave. That's just the bottom line. That happens everywhere. Yeah, it happened yeah. last year, Islander fan. Yeah. Um, That's why I didn't want to go there. Mike did. Just yeah. let, You uh, knew I was going to, so there you go. Peter, if you're the Islanders, how long can you let that go on for? Right. I mean, well, see, again, like now that's the bigger issue here. You get into the area where, okay, if I go into the draft, right, mm. and I have a non answer from Anders Lee, what am I going to do? Am I going to trade his rights? Because if I let Anders Lee and John Tavares in consecutive years walk for nothing, then that's going to look pretty bad and be pretty damning for the organization. Well, what's the point of that? At that point, Russ, they're getting a third-round pick to trade his negotiating rights. Zippity-doo-dah. I mean, well, yeah. you could trade it to Minnesota, and Minnesota would sign him. That's the difference. A third-round pick is better than no-round pick. Well, that's well, true. But and, right. and just – As Peter says after his wife delivers him food. I know. I've got a nice bully shesuit sitting beside me. <laughs> you suck. Uh, <laughs> I know. No. But but switching to switching to Minnesota here because I think they're one of the more interesting teams this offseason and it's and Fenton has started to sort of and, and dismantle is the wrong term but we we recognize what they did in the latter half of the season need a writer for Rask Rask is cheaper Rask was younger that deal didn't hasn't worked out for them but right. the other two deals Fiala for Granlund yeah Donato, Donato for Coyle they got younger they got cheaper. Yep. And it sounds like Fenton's going to go down that road in the summer. We're, we're hearing it. We heard Zucker's name mentioned uh, as somebody that they almost traded to Calgary at the deadline and might be traded in the summer. Right. There's been a lot of speculation about Jared Spurgeon or Matt Dumba, you know, them moving out uh, a, a, a link. Well, with Spurgeon has got one year left and they don't know if they can resign him with Dumba. It's a long-term commitment. And I don't know if they would want to move him, even though he got hurt last year, but you know, there, there seems to be Peter. A, this is a team in the, in the Central that uh, will pl will play Winnipeg. If you know, we played them in the playoffs uh, a couple couple seasons or last season, not this recent season. But you know, a team that's sort of in transition. Um, I don't know if they're getting better. I don't know if this is sort of a reset. But the core of that team: Ryan Suter over thirty, Miko Koivu over thirty, Zach Jose oh, yeah. over thirty, uh, Eric Stahl over thirty. You know, it, this is, I mean, th this might be the reset, but the, they're only trading the guys that they can trade because nobody wants to take Ryan Suter or Parise with those big lengthy terms. Right. But don't no, exactly. Them. It's that's the, that's the mess of it all for these guys. And right. the beauty of the summer cap is if they feel like the Islanders aren't going to sign Anders Lee and they could get their rights, they would do it tomorrow. Right. And they can go, yeah. they, they can go 10% over the cap. In the summer, 
and they can put players on LTIR who are injured. So Koivu, yeah. I think, they, qualifies. Right. They they have twenty one million in cap space right now. Yeah. With one, two, three UFAs and four RFAs. So they've got to decide what they're doing with Fiala, um, Erickson Eck, and Pontus um, Aberg. Aberg. Aberg, right? And then you've got Eric Fair. I think they can cut the bait on that. Oh, yeah. They'll cut yeah. the cord. Brad Hunt and Anthony uh, Boteto. So at the end of the day, and then they've Koivu's turning. He's he's turning well. He'll be thirty-seven when his deal is done, and if he frees up five point five million, they just maybe need to be creative for one more year. And then you know they and and then Spurgeon's free after next year too. Well, that's that's why the speculation of him being traded. If they don't think they can sign him, yeah, you know, if they trade him, you know, there's been speculation his old GM is now in Philadelphia uh, about Spurgeon going to the Flyers, and the Flyers have a lot of young defensemen. Yeah, um, you know, Sanheim, Hogg, uh, you know, Philippe Myers, you know, a number, a number of young defensemen. That that might be a move where they move a guy with an ex- a contract, a, a basically a long term rental for a young guy that they can hold on for four or five yeah. years. That kind of deal makes sense with what they've done in the past, in the recent past. Yeah, so- it could. I I think there's potential for um for a lot of different things to happen with Minnesota because they could, they have to be creative because they're two huge contracts. And if anything, they should be taking a page out of how Stan Bowman has navigated this. And yes, and yes, he's had to reset and he's resetting, but he's managed to do it with four boat anchors of contracts. Right. right? And, you know, he's still getting, he's still getting return. You know, they're still getting return out of Suter and Parise. I mean, how much longer is another thing. But you got Dumbo locked in at a fair deal, and you've got um, you've still got you've got Zucker and Rask locked in, so you, you've got some some moves here that you can do. It's just a matter of of how creative are you willing to be, and and working with a G another GM who can you know give help help them so they can help you. Not everyone can pull that off, right? Well, I can give you one move right out of the gate, Peter. Like if they feel like if they hear through the grapevine, the Islanders are having trouble with Lee and they're going to target Lee, they could offer up Aberg, and if nobody bites, they could just walk away from it. Like, they don't have really anything invested in Pontus Aberg. He didn't do particularly well for him. Like, that's just money that could just come off the books and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they brought him in late because he scored. Remember, Aberg got waived. Got picked up by Anaheim, was third, like third or fourth on Anaheim in scoring, and then they I think they traded him to Minnesota. So it's yeah, I mean, so they you know they don't have to re-sign him, so that's one less problem. And if they can get something for him, they can get something for him. They there's probably some other guys that they could finagle around, but like Mike said, even with Koivu, like maybe they have to LTIR him. It may come to that. We don't know what the situation is with him yet. Now, the other big news today was the uh, Ottawa Senators finally hiring a head coach um, after publicly announcing that Patrick Waugh was being um, interviewed. Uh, they well, we went- like two names yesterday. We kind of knew it was coming down to Waugh and Smith, or at least that's the way we felt. Right. I mean, to me, it was almost like that was a favor to Wah to keep his name relevant in NHL circles. Maybe it was something something like that. But in the end, it was DJ Smith who has been long rumored to be on the the radar. Now, DJ Smith was was in the mix for the Ottawa job 
when uh, Boucher got the job. Um, they they wanted to talk to him, and the and this apparently in the Leafs and Lou Lambrello denied them permission to talk to him. So this time around, they allowed him to talk to him, and he's named the head coach. That sort of has spurred a uh, well. First, let's talk about Smith, and then I'll talk about what it's what it brought about. But what what do you think of this hire, uh, Russ? Good caretaker move. Will work well with young guys. Won't mind coming in next to last place. And and he mind coming in. I like that, Russ. What yeah. what what are the expectations here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, true. That is true. And and um, he's probably going to come in at a bare minimum salary, which for Eugene Melnick is probably a one on his priority list that he doesn't pay him that much. Right. Um, and you know, Smith is going to. Smith is not going to get involved. Like he's going to be concentrating on developing the young players in that organization right. and not get involved in the histrionics of the, uh, of the ownership and the, uh, the way that the clown car that is the Ottawa senators organization, he's just going to sort of look forward and try to make Brady Kachuk and some of these other players, the best players that they can be. So, I mean, I think that's, that's what, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad hire. I think it's a better hire than Jacques Martin, who was, talked about yes i think it's a better hire than jacques martin but again the bar is pretty low on that right now what now smith was a four-year assistant under babcock in toronto um it sounds to me peter that the quid pro quo for babcock coming back was to shake up the coaching staff because Jim Hiller and Smith were original yeah. hires when Babcock came over in May of 2015. Now Smith has gone to Ottawa, and now Jim Hiller, uh, the Leafs public relations, uh, indicated that he has been given permission to talk all over the place. Um, he's talked to Nashville, according to Pierre LeBron, and a couple other teams. So he's gone. I mean, it's it's there's no no doubt that Hiller is moving on, um, and they've hired Paul McFarland. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about him in a minute. But we'll, I mean, do you get that feel? Because a couple years ago, when Randy Carlisle was in Toronto, he had three assistants. They had that year that the eighteen wheeler went off the cliff, and they fired all of his assistants or let all the assistants go. They brought in two new assistants, and within a year. Carlisle was fired. Now I'm not saying Babcock's gonna be fired within within a year, but it's not exactly a great sign that he's losing his assistance. I think it's a curious one. And how do you look at a coaching hierarchy if you're a GM? Do you look at it that you have the final say on the assistant coaches for what you're trying to build, or do you look at it that you have input and the coach has the final say? Because ultimately his assistants are either going to float or sink, sink his boat, and you should keep an arm's length distance from that aspect of the assistance. It's a curious, mm -hmm. it's a curious question. Mm -hmm. I think what's weird about this one is did they come in because of Babcock, or did they come in because Toronto reached out to them to come join Babcock? Right? Like, yeah, that's, that's the question. If you know the answer to that. You're gonna have a way better understanding of what's going on now. Yeah, that's the first and, that that that's the first thing I asked Russ when we when I talked to him a couple yeah. hours ago. I said, "Is this a Babcock hire or is this a Dubis hire?" Because uh, the connection between McFarland yeah. and Babcock is that McFarland was an assistant to DJ Smith in Oshawa, and yeah. there's probably some relationship through that. 
But this is a Dubas hire. I mean, yeah, but, Dub but Dubas is an OHL general manager for yeah. years, and he and uh, and uh, McFarland was a head coach in Kingston, long time. You know, uh, and that then became an assistant under Bugner in Florida. It to me, it has the feel more. He's a young guy, thirty three years old. And to me, it has more of a feel of a Dubas hire than a Babcock hire. Yeah, let's let's be realistic about this. Mike Babcock used to have great job security in the salary that that he was drawing. That made him very powerful at the very beginning when the Leafs were sort of desperate to get a good team on the ice. Mm -hmm. Now they have a good team on the ice. They have a framework. That salary doesn't mean as much to him anymore as far as the gravitas that he has. I don't think Mike Babcock has much pull in Toronto anymore. I don't think they're going to listen to him that much for player personnel. I don't think they're going to go out of their way like a Thomas Borkanek to make him happy. Mm -hmm. I I think those days are gone, and I think Mike has to have a great season, or there could be trouble there. Yeah, but well, the, 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 I, the, I think the problem with this is if you're Brandon Shanahan and you're going back to 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 Rogers and um, and and Bell, and who's the other guy? What's Larry, the other guy? Larry Tannenbaum. Tannenbaum, and you have to explain what's going on between the highest paid coach in the history of the NHL, mm -hmm. a team that got beaten seven games again to its nemesis mm -hmm. and a GM who has not shored up the defense. How do you explain this and then say, why is our coach that you're paying $50 million to having problems with his assistance? How do you explain all this? Because yeah. if I'm Tannenbaum, and I'm the execs, whoever it is on Rogers and, and Bell, who have to who deal with this stuff. I'm going. I don't care how much money Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment and the division of the Toronto Maple Leafs make. You've now created another soap opera, and we were trying to get rid of the soap operas because there was nothing but bad soap operas that came along with the Leafs for years. We punted everyone involved in those episodes. You've just created another one. What yep. the hell is going on, Dubas? And this is the thing. I have all the time in the world for Dubas's intellect and, and everything. What I don't think he has is a savviness that comes with experience in dealing with these kinds of stakes and these kinds of people. It right. takes a different level of experience to deal with this stuff and navigate it. And well, I think he's not navigating it the best way because right now there are more questions with a than answers about the Toronto Maple Leafs and that shouldn't be happening if they were following the right trajectory. And, and this, is, this is the question that I have because this year, you saw Dubis bring Dubis assert his right as general manager to control the roster in certain places. The most glaring was bringing in bringing in Garrett Sparks after winning the Calder Cup and having him as the backup instead of Curtis McElhaney. I was at training camp. I know that Babcock wanted McElhaney. They waived McElhaney. He gets claimed by Carolina, and the rest is history. Sparks is not. You know, I don't think he's an NHL goaltender. I think he showed that during the year. But with him, with Fred. Freddie Gauthier with Justin Hall. There was either players that were that Babcock was forced to play because they had nobody else to play. In the case of Gauthier, he split time between Par Lindholm and Gauthier, and then they trade. And then then Dubis traded Lindholm at the deadline for somebody else that Babcock wouldn't play in Nick Batan. Uh, so you have these players who are sort of on an island that the coach doesn't like. 
and they're stuck on the 23-man roster because they could lose them uh, if they send them on waivers. Justin Hall was up in the NHL the entire year and played less than 10 games. So you have to – to maximize the opportunity of your coach to win, you have to give him players that he wants and he needs to, to play. Like Babcock wants Luke Glenn Denning. Bab, you know, Dubas is not going to trade for Luke Glenn Denning. It's against his principles. To, oh. So you have to reach a commonality here. Otherwise, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Mike, you're right. And this is, I think, this is why there are a lot of questions going on around the Leafs. And you can, you can use analytics and data to find answers in, in some things. But if you have a detachment from what the GM is building to what the coach wants to build, to so. You, you get handed all the, the materials and the tools by the GM. Mm -hmm. And the coach says, well, I only work with these tools because I would do it this way. You, there's your detachment. Right. And if that's happening and the, and, and the gap is getting wider because the GM keeps bringing in these newfangled tools and laser levels and the co coach says, I just use a plumb line. Give me my chalk and string back. Right. Like, you're, what do you do? And that's... I think where things are heading with the Leafs, I think the danger. So, so if you go back to the, to the top level and all of a sudden the meeting of all the people who are angry, want a championship, invested millions and millions of dollars and blah, blah, blah. And they go to Shanahan and they say, what are you going to do about the situation? Well, Kyle Dubas has also put a stake in the ground a bit. And now he's this off season, this is time to hammer it. Mm -hmm. You can, if you had to, if you had to get rid of either of them, what's your replacement option? Well, the, the, the replacement option is pretty, pretty simple. And the thing is Sheldon right, right now, they have one assistant coach uh, hired. They, they'll probably need another one. It's not going to be Sheldon Keith. Sheldon Keith is going to stay with the Marlies. He's going to be their head coach and he's going to be the heir apparent to, to Babcock. Uh, if Babcock stays another two years, another three years, I, you know, at a certain point, if Babcock plays out the rest of his contract there, maybe Keith goes someplace else. But I think he's the heir apparent. He's waiting, lying in wait there for Babcock to to, to miss either miss the playoffs or lose in the first round, and then he's the replacement. He's the you know Dubis and him have been attached at the hip since Sault Ste. Marie, so I don't think there's any there's any mystery there about who the next Leaf head coach will be. It's yeah. just a matter of time. Dubis, I mean, I think Dubis is safe. He's in year two. He's uh -huh. handpicked by Shanahan. Shanahan brought him in uh, as one of his first hires in twenty in twenty fourteen after the, after he was hired. So I I think that Dubis is pretty pretty safe. Well, I'm not saying I, I'm I'm not saying that he's not safe. Right. I, I, I'm I'm just saying if you have to choose, why. Why is the G, why is the coach getting the blame if there's a detachment, and how did that arrive? You got to figure out why that happened because well, I, it doesn't I, mean I, I can tell you very easily because it's his. He doesn't want to play certain players that the GM gives him. Right. So at the end of the day, he's going to lose that battle. What I look if you type in Leafs underperforming in in Google, you'll get 114,000 searches. This has yeah. been happening for every couple of decades. The Leafs have this going on. And this is what just what happens in the market, Peter. So they can't overcome yeah. that. The only thing they can do is win. 
And if they don't win, it's going to be Babcock that goes. And Babcock, yeah. Babcock did not. Babcock is usually very savvy PR wise. He did not do himself any favors at the end of the season when he didn't take any accountability for anything, and it sort of left the door open for Dubis to take accountability for everything. And then you know Dubis is, I think, looked good, better in in contrast. So you know now I think Bab. And the thing is, I agree with what you're saying. They're going to have to make. Dubas cannot go into this offseason and say, okay, we'll sign basically another veteran Ron Hainsey type to address our blue line and just mature internally and bring up Liljegren and Sandin and all these guys and just do that. No, the fan base after now three years of a rebuild, three years in the first round losing, signing Tavares, they're saying you better win, you better win soon or we're going we're gonna to revolt. And I think that this, you know, now, you know, if they make the playoffs, they get to the second round. I think they'll, the 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 uh, the uproar will be tamped down a little bit. But Leaf fans are getting frustrated. They like, okay, you've got all this talent. You've got Tavares. You got Matthews. You've got a Norris caliber defenseman and Morgan Riley. You got Marner. Where's the wins? Where are the victories? And you can't blame it all on the fact that they play the Bruins every year. At some point, you got to beat the Bruins. Right. I mean, that's that is what it boils down to. Right now, they're in a spot where Dubas is basically setting everything up for the eventual Babcock removal if it doesn't work out by bringing in his guys. Shanahan's letting it happen because he has to let it happen. And if, Peter, you want to know where the savviness should be coming from to help Dubas, it should be coming from Shanahan. Right. And he just signed a six-year contract, so... He should be able to. He should. He has a long-term stake in yeah. making things work. Um, I just want to touch on this because I I, I want to see if you agree with with where I think the league is going. Um, I was on, I made my appearance on Buffalo Radio this morning, and one of the guests they had was Andrew Raycroft, who's doing uh, uh, media work in Boston. And I asked him a question because of the the way that broke down with not only the Bruins but with the Blues as well with the. Blues, it was Bennington was called up in January and he played, I think, 30, 30 some odd games. But the workload was split between Bennington and Allen. And I think there was one other goaltender who played a little bit. Um, in Boston, Rask played almost a career low as a starter. He played 46 games. Halak played 40. And I asked Raycroft, who played 72 games with the Leafs. When he was tra traded from the Bruins for Rask in 07, you know, do you think that Rask's impressive performance in the playoffs is because he's more well rested? And he says, "Yeah, I, I really do." And I think that this is going to start a trend in the league where, you know, maybe 25, 30 years ago, I remember Buff in Buffalo, the Donnie Edwards and Bob Sove split 50 50. It was a it was a rotation every other game. I'm not saying it's going to be like that because there are some goalies who are making eight million bucks a year like Lundquist and they want them to play more. But I think, and I want to see what you think, Peter, you first. I think it's going to be more of like a 50-30 breakdown than it is 60-20. Hold on. Breakdown between what? Goaltender, starter and, and release starter and backup. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. I think different goalies have different different levels of, of, of workload they can manage though, Mike. Like, and you have to play to that too. Mm -hmm. There's rhythm too. Goalies, man, when someone writes a definitive book on how a goalie's brain works, 
it's going to change everything. But until that happens, it's still a guessing game, right? And I think you have to really sort of, you have to know your goalies and, and, and you may want to do it that way. But you're going to have to find the right pair who you can break that between because it's not going to it's not going to be uniform for everyone. You may well, want to. What? Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Continue. No, I just, you may want to because you think of it that way. But convincing guys, getting the buy-in is hard. There are goalies who should play 60 games and they want to play 75 games, right? Like they just want to be in there. And you got to manage that somehow without it affecting their ego and whatever goes between their ears that makes them want to take pucks at a hundred miles an hour to their heads. Right. Like, <laughs> do you, do you think that, do you think that a guy like Lundquist who's played 60 plus most of the years in his career, in his career, even though, you know, I mean, he's 37, I think 37 now, do you think he'll accept playing 50, 55? Cause no. you, he's used to playing. Yeah. He'll accept it. There's and, no, and, 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 a question. I, a couple weeks ago on our stick to hockey podcast, Chuck Fletcher was on and he said that Flyers would have a 50-30, and he didn't say where the Carter Hart would be the 50 or Carter Hart would be the 30. He said that would depend on Carter Hart and how he plays and how he does in his second season. And I think most teams are looking at it that way, except the Leafs. I think the Leafs are locked in with Garrett Sparks. Dubas is not going to budge and move him. I disagree. I don't think they're going to get a backup, and I think they're going to still – push comes to shove – you know what happened? Beginning of the year, Babcock will say, "Oh yeah, we'll rest Freddie more," and he won't. Because Babcock is one of those coaches who has trust issues. Yes. That's the problem. Yeah. You, you like if if there's something that Dubis and Babcock could work on together in the off season, it's 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 the trust issues things. Get a therapist in there. Let's <laughs> talk about this. Like you know, kumbaya. Let's go out to let's go yeah. out to a nice retreat in the Muskokas and kind of just burn I, some incense and just sort this out, right? Like that's what needs to happen because these guys they get they, they they pigeonhole. They know who they trust. They know what they see. They believe. And when they see something, they, they particularly young players, we won't do it. And and. Russ, you just brought up Philadelphia and what Fletcher said. Mm -hmm. I think if that's the case, I think having AV is actually going to do really well for goalie stability because AV has managed some kooky goalies in his day. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, he had Luongo. He had the stones to pull Luongo and put Schneider in net in a game six. He had to deal with Jose Theodore. Remember mm -hmm. him? Oh, like, yeah. He's, and, and you talk about the you know, the, 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 the Ringling Brothers circus that has been between the Flyers pipes for so long. Mm -hmm. AV is the guy to provide some stability and be the guy who can manage this idea if they do go 50-30 and who it is and how it's going to balance. Let's be fair I to think, Theodore, too, though. He did win a Vezina and a uh, Hart one year, though. He did. Who's yeah. that? Theodore. Who? He won a, yeah, yeah, he did. I, but, I mean, I, yes, he did. I'm not I'm not saying he I know, was, but he was but, a kooky guy. No question. Yeah. Like, he was a kooky guy. He was a madly skilled guy. He was. Like most goaltenders, or Cooper. yeah. Um, but but I'll disagree with you, Russ, and we'll see who's right uh, in September. I think Garrett Sparks has played his last game as a Maple Leaf. I think. I think. First of all, they're not going to get stuck as they did la the, this season where they, they lose two goalies on waivers, and there's then they had to go with Sparks, and Sparks was bad from December till the end of the season, and his inability to perform consistently cost them home ice advantage and probably a chance to beat Boston in the playoffs. Okay. So you think they're going to spend a million dollars on a goalie until Sparks he's back in, in Toronto went back with the Marlies when yeah. they have 
two young goalies, but they already have two young goalies coming up there in Wall and then they made then they made then they made trade sparks. They're gonna try and trade sparks. They may not be able to, and that is my basic point. Or he or he goes to or he goes to the ECHL. They're not gonna send Garrett Sparks to the ECHL. They're well, not. He could, well, okay, we and we know we know how it works with with, with goalies in the minors. The, the the number one prospect uh, usually is the starter in the AHL. The number two right. prospect is usually the starter in the ECHL. Sometimes they'll flip flop them, and the guy who's third is the guy who's the backup at the AHL level. Sparks may be the backup at the AHL level. I, I do not believe that Garrett Sparks. Seventy-five. He's making like six seventy-five. So now you got to bring in hmm? seven. I think he's. I think he signed for seven fifty. But so hey. hold on. So he's making seven fifty. You can bury that. We already talked about there being a pretty robust goalie market out there, which there is. Yeah. Yeah. going to be looking for this other guy. So they're going to have to spend probably a million bucks on this other guy. I don't think it's happening, Mike. Well, maybe maybe they trade him to his native Chicago. Then they'll need a backup goaltender next year because, I mean, I'm I'm just telling you, my, my read on the situation is Garrett Spark. Mike Babcock will not put him back in the lineup. That, and, that, and you know what? And that may be true. And Dubas might say, fine, but this is what I'm giving you because based on everything else that's going to go on with the cap and, and all the other things, there may not be that many options out there. Well, I mean, we'll see. Um, a couple notes coming out of the uh, end of the season locker room cleanout in San Jose. Uh, Joe Pavelski says he's confident that he'll return to the Sharks next oh. year. He's a UFA. Not a shock there, but a question is how they how they fit things in. Uh, Joe Thornton says he hasn't made any decisions yet. He confirms that he would only return to the Sharks and that he was injured in the first shift of the St. Louis series. So, um a couple interesting things there. I'm not sure. I mean, like, I mean, we talked about it. We talked about it uh, after they got eliminated. They're going to be the one of the more interesting teams. Uh, Elliot Friedman and 31 Thoughts podcast said that Eric. He thinks that Eric Carlson will find some way to be able to play for Tampa. I don't know if Tampa can afford him, Russ. Yeah, I mean, we they're going to have to do multiple things to afford him. Like a lot, they'll you know. Callahan will be gone, right? Somehow they've got to move Callahan. Uh, they may not be able to bring back someone like Strawman if they planned on bringing him back because then – Unless you know, it takes a million-dollar one-year deal. It's a million-dollar one-year thing. Coburn's gone, right? So so you're, you're going you're gonna to lose some depth on there to get another great talent in there. So your top four will be great. Then it's your your bottom two. Now Cernak looks real good, so I think I think they're good that way, and he's definitely better than Schuster. He is, so don't we, we won't need that anymore because he's got a shot. Schuster never had a shot. Their their bottom pairing might be Cernak and and Cal and Cal Foot. It could be, and and they yeah. they might be able to roll with that. But uh, Tyler Johnson's probably going to have to go. Like I think it's it it just seems like a bridge too far and. No offense to Julian Breezebois, but I don't know if he has that much momentum and front office ability to do that. He didn't do anything last year. Now, we all gave him a pass, right, and said, well, he didn't have to. Well, now he has to. So now let's see how aggressive and what he can really do. Because honestly, do any of us know what he really can do? No. And the the thing that I I find is going to be really interesting, Peter, is that with the cap being so tight with some of these teams, whether, you know, I keep saying, talking about the middle class in, in, in terms of salaries, 
how squeezed they're going to get. And even like some of the older free agents, like I was looking at, I was looking at the year that Wayne Simmons had last year. He didn't score 20 goals. He gets no. traded to, to Nashville as a, as a rental. He does nothing for the Preds in the playoffs or in the set or in the, the last quarter of the season. Um, he's a guy who's playing a power forward play. You know, he's not a big, big guy. And he's slowing down a little bit to me. It's like, this is a guy who during the season we were talking about, well, the Flyers might give him a three or four year deal, yeah. but he wants five or six. I'm at the point now where I look at free agency. Is he going to be one of these guys who says, I need to take like a one year deal to go somewhere and reestablish myself to get the bigger deal going or, forward? You know what I like back when the Jets were trying to fill holes and get placeholders before they had their thing, they were he, Kevin Cheveldayoff found a neat way of he got um Ole Jokinen on a two-year 4.5 million a year deal yeah. he got re-signed Drew Stafford for that and they were getting minutes they were getting some you know obviously they're getting some things in the deal but he found them on a four probably paying a little bit above market in that around the 750,000 maybe a million higher than he needed to but he had the cap space right right and I think that's where these guys guys like Simmons are going to need to really look to say you know should I take like almost like a reverse bridge deal where I try and make a little bit of money here, find a groove for myself, a role, a place, and then I can maybe get two or three more years after that because the reason, and, and you, you got to hope for that because the next deal probably be a little more contract, like incentive based because you're just getting older and, and guy and GMs aren't paying for age anymore. You're not paying for a guy who's been in the league for 15, 16 years and say, well, that experience matters. We need it. If they are, they're they're signing the Matt Hendrixes of the world. Right. Right. And that's the change. So do your squeeze? Yes. But you've got to find that niche and maybe you've got to reset your expectations on where you're playing too. Russ, what do you think them and, and I I'm focusing on Simmons because there's been some speculation over the years that Simmons would like to play in Toronto. He's a Scarborough uh, native. Um I, I think if you're gonna if if he's gonna go for sort of that one year scenario like Tyler Innes did in, in Toronto, go to a good team, you know, have a good year, be visible, it turn it around, then you know. Ennis is going to sign someplace for more than what he was making last year. Simmons could end up being a top six with the Leafs playing with either Tavares or, or Matthews score 30 goals and set himself for another free agent deal. But that would mean taking a one year deal. I don't know whether he, his agent, he or his agent would, would go for a one year deal with Toronto or anybody else. He's not taking a one year deal. I could pretty much, I can't guarantee it, but Based on everything you hear, it doesn't seem likely. Right. Would he take a three-year deal with somebody? Yeah, he might do that now. But, again, I think if you were willing to do that, the Flyers would already have him signed up. Right. So I don't yeah. think he's willing to do that. To be honest, I think he's looking for at least four minimum. So, And if he's looking for that, he's going to have to lower his expectations. On right. Yeah, yeah, he'll probably have to lower the AAV, and I think he'll probably do that. Or and low, and lower the expectations in terms of going to a contending team. because. Maybe. The content you know teams, depending on where he is, he's the kind of guy. Like you know what? If the Canucks weren't toasted on Louis Erickson's deal, mm -hmm. Simmons is the exact kind of guy. Yeah, that team needs. Right. In fact, Benning should he should even maybe consider signing Simmons and and buying out Erickson because Simmons is that with the youth on that team and the person that we know Wayne Simmons is, mm -hmm. right? And the way he plays hockey with all those young guys, like, you know, someone who will be around to have Pedersen's back, mm -hmm. 
you know, that would be a very savvy move. And he, that might be the kind of team that would give them four years. But yeah, I, I, I are they going to do it when they're still paying Erickson six million bucks a year for f God knows how long? Yeah, five, four or five more years. Yeah, that's why. I mean, I think Simmons is the type of player that Toronto needs, but I just don't know that there's any way that they can get him on a shorter term deal because I don't think they're going to sign somebody other than that core group to a long term deal. The um, other problem is you were saying like him and Tavares, you can't put them together. It makes the line too slow. You just at a top six line in this in this NHL, you can't do it. Simmons has to play third line on a team like the Leafs. There's mm -hmm. no way around it. Okay. Um, let's take a couple questions in the chat if we got any, Russ. And All right, let me look. Two or three, and then we can end the show. All right. Well, Funky is asking, will Wayne Simmons game go south like Andrew led? No, because Simmons knows how to get to the net and still in a half court game where there's puck possession and play down the end, he still will score some goals down low. And if you put him in the crease in the power play, he still can deflect goals. He could still do those things. He's just not scoring 30 anymore. He's probably right. going to score 20, and he's probably going to get you 45, 48 points, something like that, where Ladd, his game just it, – it, he was the fastest, so speed went on him, hands went on him. And yeah. He can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy anymore, Ross. He, he's been hurt the last two years. Yeah. So those those are the big things. Simmons isn't an awful skater. He just doesn't have the speed that he used to. Right. So I, I think that's one of those things where you just look at it that way. Uh, let's see. Funky said Mike can give Russ one of his Phil Collins posters. I don't want it, but thank you. <laughs> Wait. I don't have any Phil Collins posters here. Ha. Huh. Cam books, guys. Cam wants to know, hey Ross, who do you think the Rangers will go after in the offseason? If anyone, uh, I think Panarin. There's a gift going around that showed Panarin uh with a big hug with JD when JD was leaving. I, I sad. It's just so sad. I mean, but we all saw when JD was definitely coming that the Rangers had upped their game in those negotiations. There's no way around it. So they're going to go after him. It still wouldn't shock me if they make some sort of offer to Carlson. Wouldn't shock me at all. It just won't be a crazy, you know, seven-year offer. It won't be like that. And he'll have to work. Nobody's doing that. Right. Nobody. Right. Carl, Carlson, I mean, Peter, you, you, you pointed out in, the, uh, in our little chat here that Carlson's leading the uh, NHL in playoff assists. I mean, we're not taking anything away from him. He was just injured. The problem is, yeah. is that, you know, he missed like the last 20 some odd games of the season and then comes back and he's not even close to 100%. He still played great. You can still play on one leg like Bobby Orr did for years, but yeah. you, you need should this you. guy to be healthy. You need him to yeah. be. And should, you, and should you pay someone $7 million or more to pay it, play on one leg? Right. Right. I mean, so. Go ahead, Peter. You guys. I, I have a question. Um, there's been some talk in Winnipeg um, around. Obviously, there's been a few articles put out in the papers, Athletic, myself, around Jacob Truba mm -hmm. and possible landing places for him and stuff. One of the discussions in the blog right now is the blog on Hockey Buzz is would Detroit consider trading their sixth for Truba? If the player they and, and I put this in, in the blog, and I'm thinking is what if they have a player targeted, but that player's not there? 
would they consider trading for Truba at six and using that sixth round pick? And who do you think would be available then? Sixth overall pick. I mean, yeah, six, yeah. Yeah. Six overall. Well, I'm well, not- Cause that's why I asked you that question last night, right? In chat, like who else is could go into the NHL next year? And it's not a huge list, is it? Not a, not a huge list. Even Cole Caulfield's not ready for the NHL. Right. So but Caulfield could be there at six. And so would you really want to to trade that for Truba? Uh when you could when you could get Truba next year from nothing. Right. That is, I would say that's probably a no-go. I mean, Truba's not staying in Winnipeg and being not signed. Like this, th- there will be, that will be the end of Kevin Shevel day off if Jacob Truba leaves for nothing. Yeah, but, but, the, right. but this is this is the scenario that could play out. And we, we've seen this scenario play out with Carlson. And I'm not saying that Truba's Carlson, but if Kurt, Kurt Overhart is his agent, correct? Mm-hmm. If Kurt Overhart comes out and, say, yeah. and says, we're not signing with anybody we're going to go free agency next year. Then he screws Shevel Day off yeah. by doing that, undercuts his value. He goes someplace for one year, and then he's a UFA next yeah. season, Peter. And that's, I think that really kills yeah. the Jets' leverage. I, I think ultimately, and I don't think Truba will negotiate a deal like quickly with Detroit. I don't think that will happen. Right. Uh, honestly, Detroit would only trade that pick for somebody who's under a decent term. Yeah. That and and I and to be honest, since Eiserman has already sort of set the playing field as it's going to be a while, he's right. going to want to have his own first round yeah. pick that he could put his arm around on that stage and say, "You're my pick. Yeah. You're the guy that I'm going to be. You know, you're my Larkin." And that's and so I think that's where he's going to go with that. I don't think he's going to trade out. And 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 the guy that I mean, okay. the guy that some people think that might be the one that they pick at six is the is the Russian putt holes in. Yeah, uh, they, they definitely could. There's a good chance they could get him there now because I think he probably has slipped a few rungs. The other thing is with Edmonton, I think that's the team that would might trade their pick because yeah. they can Holland talk that he thinks he could be in it. The only way he's going to be in it is if he turns that pick into somebody that he could plug into his lineup that really helps his team next year. So now would he do that deal for Truba? I don't think so because, again, I think it's too risky. Uh, you're eventually, you know, Truba goes to – if he goes to UFA, right. you've gotten killed on that deal. So I don't think anybody is going to trade for a one-year guy in, in the top ten. No. And, and and that's the thing, Peter. If, there, if, if, if the aim of the Jets is to get cost certainty – back for Truba. If they like to, okay, we want to get a defenseman back for Truba, somebody who's under contract. If it's a young guy, if it's a guy who's making about what the, the same, and say, for example, Ristolainen from the Sabres. Buffalo's not going to make that deal unless they can talk to Truba's agent and say, okay, what do you want on a, on a new deal? And if they can't get a new deal, then you're not trading somebody who's under contract for years for a guy who could walk away. It's the Jeff Skinner scenario all over again. Yeah, here. So here's another thing. So Jerkball brought up, and and he's living up to his name. I will say that because he was like Liljegren plus Kadri for Truba, assuming Truba will sign a contract. Uh, that would be the worst of deals for the Leafs. Like the worst of deals. They you would never ever want to make that deal for Truba because not only again you have to bring into the situation is. Anybody who wants to go to the Leafs, let's say Truba wanted to go there and signs there, they don't go there cheap. 
So Trooper's going to get full market value going there. And now you traded a centerman and a defenseman who could arguably be just a little bit under what Jacob Trouba is as an NHLer in two years. Why am I making that deal? Yeah, no, I mean, again, I said it yesterday. They're not trading Kadri unless they get themselves a top two defenseman. Well, um, because they're, I think, they're yeah, but I think if you just let's just play this whole thing because Mike and I have talked about this for three years. Okay. If if there is an ability to move Jacob Truba to the Leafs, the one thing I think people forget about when you go to the Leafs, you also have endorsement deals locally out the ying. You right. make a lot of money for just being a Leaf. Like it, there, there's uh, yeah. Mitch Marner's finding that out right now, Peter. He's doing Apple commercials. He's doing yeah. insurance right. commercials. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to help Truba. But the other thing is, is that the Jets kind of need a second line center, right. and there, there's some traction there. I just think the deal expands because you need other parts in it to make it whole for both sides. I and agree. what that whole looks like is maybe there's a forward prospect coming that, you know, maybe, maybe it gets big or, or, or different. And you add something in on the front because Dubas knows he's going to trade Nylander and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, so you can't trade Nylander and lose Cadre without getting something back. And Cadre brings in, you know, it, it probably expands a bit because I think they need to expand it to make it whole. You right. won't do it one for one. You, they don't have draft picks to really play with. And, and Lilligren's that's too much. It is just too much. So you have to even it out in other ways, and I think you could. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Earl says that Dubis is known as 2.0. He's really not because no. that's just you know what? That's a that's jerk ball question. That's that's how bad. No, no, but I'm I'm going to tell people why. The reason why is there's no way Dubis would ever have that Fanuf contract on his books. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's the biggest. Quick answer, I Clarkson. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Thank you. Last <laughs> uh, uh, question. I know. Hold on. I'm trying to find. <laughs> had to bring up David Clarkson. Jeez. <laughs> well, hey, hey, the gift that keeps on giving. Vegas right now is over the cap, and they're gonna and they have a year left of David Clarkson. Yeah. All right, Esmir has a good one here. Is Jonas Brodin on the market? I think he is. Yeah. Now, okay, there is a defense. If you're talking about defensemen, and every time a defenseman is brought up and it's somebody who's got term left, I'm going to mention Toronto because I think that's what they're, gonna, they're looking for. Brodin makes sense. He's he's making it in the fours. He's more. He's a he's a, a good skating defenseman, but he's not a big offensive guy. Nope. Um, I think. You could get him for a re get him for a reasonable price with a team that has depth on the blue line. You know, then they could probably re-sign Spurgeon if they, you know, if not trading him. So, I, you know, Brodeen makes sense of of the of the four of their top four. I think he's the one that they would easily trade the most. The have the least amount of problem trading. Yeah, the only thing is, is yes, and the guy they trade back for is going to have to be a much lower salary or somebody who's really good on an ELC. Right. It, it might even be Liljegren. You might say, hey, it's going to yeah. be for Liljegren and a pick. Liljegren, or if they want a forward back, it would probably be, have to be either, either be Janssen or Kapanen. Right. So, I mean, that, that's I mean that's that's the quandary that the, the Leafs have. They're going, they have an area of strength. They have to, they have 
I think they have two or three forwards with the Marlies, a couple defensemen that might not be ready, but they have guys that can move up and they have to trade from their area of strength to, to address their area of weakness. And you cannot, I mean, it's nice to think you can go out and rape a general manager and get a great deal and get a defenseman for nothing. It doesn't happen anymore unless you're the Buffalo Sabres. Okay. okay. All right. Um, We'll, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. Uh, thanks all for watching. Um, for Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Ligello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.